All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell, hanging out on this Wednesday. What day is it? Oh, oh do it, do it. I, I won't do it either then. It's Shoe Showdown. That's what day it hump is. Day. Shoe Showdown okay. coming later in the show. Hump day it is. Uh, it's that point. Here. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. We are both are wearing hoodies, and it's 100 degrees outside, so I don't know. Maybe that's something to do with it. Um, bunch of stuff we got to get to. Uh, the NFL, obviously, in full force. We'll hit on a little bit of college football as well, because as crazy as uh, some of the news that's been breaking every single day, uh, we haven't had a chance to hit on that. So we'll give that. I'll give you my top eight teams in college football in just a little bit. But let's start with the NFL. Um it has been a rough time to Man. be a quarterback. We were just doing the update. Cam Newton now uh, questionable for their game Sunday with a foot injury. Kyle Allen could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Some Allen. of these names, I know. I know. It, oh, with all due respect, there's a lot of them. He? he was at. It's funny because Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen were both at Texas A&M together. Okay. Both transferred and left and went on to other programs. And Kyle Allen played at. I have to remember. I have okay. to look it up. I think he did play a little bit at Texas A&M, but he also went around, went somewhere went around else. the right. block, too. Got but it. There are some scrubs out there. Like I don't like to use that word scrubs too often, uh, but there are some just, scrubs that are out there. But it has been brutal. I do want before we get to the quarterback-specific discussion, we're hearing about a lot more injuries in sports, like Dellen Batances, who are the Yankees. The Yankees have been crushed by injuries yes. across the board. Like They've had this slew of injuries. NFL, not only is it quarterbacks, but you're seeing a lot of players get hurt. Um, do you have any philosophy why? Because I, I was uh, thinking a lot about this. I wonder if it's because we are bigger, stronger, faster. That's one. Which I think puts more pressure on joints and it stresses ligaments, muscles, um, you know, everything more than ever before. That is one. I had two thoughts on it, and that's definitely one, right? Like you're being trained um, and, and seeing the results of that training. It's going to obviously impact, you, you know, um, the force that you put on your own muscles and tendons more and the force that you can then in, inflict on someone else's yeah you know even more the other thought i had it had to do with my kids because i'm kid centric all the time and you know they play these sports at a much uh more frequent rate than we did when we were younger like yeah. they're, they're you know my my sons play almost an nba season like when you factor in all the tournaments that we have and that we go to and you know, I shut mine down in July, and I've got people in my program that want that thing to be year-round. They want their kids playing six to seven games every weekend, and it's a lot. And, you know, I've always said the body's like an odometer. I mean, like a car. It's got an odometer. Like, the, those miles are what they are. You don't know when the time is up on it. And so I think that might have something to do with it, too. Yeah, it is the, the pressure in youth sports is off the charts for – there's a keeping up with the Joneses. Hey – those kids, that team, that, you know, if you're individual sport, that child is putting in four hours a day. Yeah. Golf course, tennis court, basketball court, whatever it is. So I have to have and I'm guilty, And I'm guilty right. of it to some degree too. Right. I mean, I mean, because you see results and everything has been expedited, you know, like, yep. and, and there is a, there's a faction of the population that doesn't want you to believe that. And, you know, but it's really happening. Like kids are being offered scholarships at the earliest age that I can remember. Like kids are being recognized. They are ranking them. Not that they mean anything. Right. But it is going to entice some people who might not really understand what's going on to have to have, you know, their kid in the mix. It's a real thing. <laughs> yep. For sure. Uh, and also playing one sport you're on. I know you don't, um, yeah. I don't like, but there are a lot of kids that are specializing in one sport from eight, nine, 10 years old, which I think is ridiculous. Cause then you're not developing all of your motor skills, all of your other muscles. 
muscles sure. that would really help you in your individual sport if you played other sports. They're focusing on just one year round. I think that's not a way to go either. It is definitely not. And that, you know, when I went on my rant the other day, yeah. apparently, like, I got a lot of calls from people like, <laughs> yesterday specifically about seeing that on different coaching. Um, the, the one pushback that, that I got from it, um, I mean, I guess they were a lot, but there you were, were talking one, about teaching kids, like, hey, they have to be benched. You don't have to coddle these players. Yeah. Like, not everybody learn. deserves the same amount of playing time. Like, I'm, you know, like, but, you know, the playing of different sports, because we didn't address that in that particular video. And anyone who's ever listened to me talk, because I support that 100%. It's the first thing I say to people asking me, hey, how can I make my son a better basketball player? Let him play something else. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, not just to refresh his mind and his body, but to give him another, you know, set of of skills, another, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination test for himself. You know, all of those things are... Are, are movements that you can translate into into other sports. So I fully support that. And I'm and my kids, I will never um, let a coach make them uh, play one sport. Like right. you know, if you've committed to a sport during that season, that's where you're going to be. But um, when it's time to play something else, we're on to the next. Yep. The reason we got in this conversation about injuries and stuff is because of the amount of quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks that are getting up there in age. Mm-hmm are now being lost for either meaningful amounts of time, as is the case with Drew Brees, or the rest of the season, as is the case with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but we've seen there are only eight active quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl. Four of the eight have gone down or been benched in the past week. I mentioned Big Ben and Drew Brees. Nick Foles, by the way, former Super Bowl MVP, was lost uh, with that clavicle injury, injury. And then Eli Manning yesterday gets benched. They're also... At some point, they're going to age out, and I think the end is here for Eli Manning. I still think it's here for Ben Roethlisberger, and who knows what the heck Drew Brees is going to come back with this thumb issue. I think he'll be fine, but maybe this is an opportunity for him to kind of reevaluate and say, man, how much longer do I want to go? I think we are seeing the end of an era, and I think it was an incredible golden age of quarterback, and I still think the way the rules are, in the NFL, you'll see quarterbacks challenge these guys statistically if they stay that around that long. But it's kind of it's kind of sad to me to watch this kind of changing of the guard as you see this taking place. Now, I also think, with that being said, I think the reason it's being called the golden age of quarterbacks isn't because of just the guys that are Hall of Famers. And I would put Eli Manning in that category without question. Mm-hmm. But it's also... The young crew, the young group of really talented quarterbacks who I think are going to carry the torch and not many people are going to notice those older guys. When you look at the likes of Patrick Mahomes, when you look at Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, I would absolutely put in that category where for the next 10 years minimum with these guys all in the ages of 22 to 26. Lamar Jackson's really good. Yes, he's a baby. He's a baby, baby. A lot of these dudes, again, if we want to get into kids, I would say hold back, you know, so you're not that young. But a lot of guys, Kyler Murray's still really young at 22. But Lamar Jackson, who's got a year under his belt already, is a baby. When you think about it, not only from physical standpoint, because you're going to improve physically. I know for me, I got so much stronger from the time I was about 25 till I was 28. And I did from 22 to 25. Your body, I think that's your your prime, 25 to 28. Sure. Some of these guys aren't even reaching that. Dak Prescott is just coming into that. I think you're seeing the results on the field when he's out there playing the position almost close to perfect. Yeah, like physically and mentally. I mean, I the game just slowed down for me um, once I had been in it for 
three years, you know, and that, that kind of correlated with that timeline that you just gave. Um, but like, I, you know, I don't know if that was perspective on life or I just seen more, or I was, I was growing up, but everything kind of slowed down for me. I became, um, I, I matured like, you know, in my personal life a, a lot. And so, yes. you know, I started taking it more seriously. I started understanding what I was looking at. Like early in my career, I was happy to be there. I was into everything that was going on, man. Like, right, let's party. Yeah. I'm in the NBA, you know, and then you, you kind of, you know, you slow down and you start to realize that this is your profession now and you start taking it more seriously. And there is growth both physically and mentally when you start hitting that window of prime that a lot of these guys are approaching. It's always hard when you, when you have to say goodbye to, yeah, uh, your your heroes, so to speak. Right, you and know? this many seemingly at the same time, yeah. or around what'll probably be a year or two window. Yeah. But to see that many Hall of Famers ride off into the sunset, it is a little bit. It's tough to see it's those tough. guys go, especially when we were ex- huge expectations for Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You know, Eli Manning, not that big expectation, but Drew Brees. Who knows what it looks like? You don't want to see them go off on a bad note. And I wonder what the Saints season looks like as it gets uh, finished up there. So there will be some exciting uh, quarterback matchups between some of those young guys. Unfortunately, there's also some real duds. We're talking about (laughs) Kyle Allen. It is disastrous. So listen to this slate of projected starting quarterbacks in the NFL in just week three. Gardner Minshew, who I like, not exactly a name that's going to resonate. Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's more than adequate. I like him as a name. Luke Falk. Are you kidding me? Uh, Case Keenum on the back end of his career, like I don't know, it's like it just seems like a journeyman, right? The definition yeah. of journeyman. Yeah. Mason Rudolph, yeah, I think the Steelers like him as their third round pick, but who the heck knows where it goes? These are kind of the other group of quarterbacks <clears throat> when you compare that first group we showed, the young potential stars. I don't know if any of these guys. That would be like maybe Daniel Jones if he kind of lives up to the hype in the preseason, which I think that's a totally different conversation. Daniel but, Jones, much higher ceiling. Like uh, Daniel, you, the, of the names that you first said, right? Yep. That were, that's like like as an NBA team saying, hey, we're giving Raja the ball. He's going to carry us to the promise. Like, he's going <laughs> right. to be our best player. People be like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Um, so I wanted to do a little thing because there's been a conversation out there and it started to trend uh, the other day when Ben was lost for the season because anytime there's a quarterback that goes down and you see sort of an unknown, relative unknown quarterback take his spot, the one name that's going to consistently crop up is Colin Kaepernick, right? Even though he's been out for three years now, that name is going to come up. And I get why. It's a very polarizing name. Some people want to hammer home the point about him being blackballed. But I want to give you a blind resume of quarterbacks. These are career numbers. And you would say, all right, if you had no idea about history of kneeling, political stances, whatever sure. it was, which quarterback would you select to be your quarterback? When you look at this list of blind members, so all of them above 60% completion percentage yeah. except for one. All of them pretty productive. There's one quarterback up there only 178 yards, another one at 178 yards per game. You might say, hey, they're a little bit limited in the passing game. Yep. Today's game, I would probably eliminate those two. Probably. Passer rating. One in three, maybe? Yeah, quarterback one of the blind resume, 63% completion rate, 90 passer rating. I think it's very clearly one One. or three. I like the touchdown to interception ratio there for one, for number one. Yeah, you're right. Quarterback three has a little bit higher there. So quarterback one or three are our guests. Yeah. So Marcus Mariota or James Winston would have been those three. It's kind of funny because they haven't been that great. Colin Kaepernick was five. We glossed over him probably because of the lack of passing yardage. Right. uh, And also the completion percentage being under 60, which – Daniel Jones, uh, Eli Manning's going to get in the Hall of Fame wasn't above 60. 
Um, and his touchdown interception ratio is actually the best the one best. out of this group. So I think you're making the case here. These other names that are in the same realm as far as statistically. They're all starting. They're all quarterbacks with starting jobs. Yes. Which begs the question, all right, where are we with Colin Kaepernick and why isn't he get uh, signed? Danny, he'll never play in the NFL again. Like People need to wrap their mind around the fact that uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick is not going to play in the NFL again. Um, you can speculate. And we've been through that. We've done it before. Do you think it's – is it the number one reason – Blackballed, like you saying, the team will not get. Because I still, I still hold out hope that he gets signed because of the issues that you're going there. Yeah. But I don't think it's as simple as saying he's blackballed because I, I do think it comes to the question was, well, what would Colin Kaepernick take? You took his stance. I mean, he took his stance, mm -hmm. and I, I was fine with that. Like I didn't have a problem. I supported that. It was good. It's fine. Um, it, the awareness needed to be brought to to things like that. Um, but then the owners did whatever they did, and it became clear. That none of them wanted to touch him for whether it was a distraction. Uh, I, I do not believe at all that it had anything to do with him just not being good enough because you roll guys out um, like the list that we just put out there and you can't support uh, an argument that he's not better than some of those guys, right? Right. So for whatever political reason, it is your team and it is your right to do that. Uh, but for that reason, he'll never play in the NFL again. It's been done. It's, a, it's signed, sealed, delivered, handed into the jury. It's a wrap. I still hold out hope that he gets an opportunity. I, I do, I too. Love but to hope, kind of, hope is right. one thing. They've already <laughs> told you. True. He's been out for how long now? Four years? Three years, yeah. Three you, years. Don't, you don't get further removed from the game and then get called back. He has been uh, – it's been reported. He's been out working out every day, five days a week, so he's still in shape. It's been reported that his agent has reached out to a lot of teams. The only thing where I would say where you can't just simply say he's been blackballed is I do think it comes down to salary. I do think – because I what I hate is when – you know, I'm going to call out Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk because every time a quarterback gets signed, he says, well, look at this scrub. He's getting signed and Colin Kaepernick isn't. Right. Those scrubs are making league minimum, which I don't think Colin Kaepernick would take and I don't think he should take because right. he's not a league minimum quarterback. They're scrubs and they're guys we're making fun of for a reason. Colin Kaepernick is not in that category. I do think that adds Absolutely. A, a hurdle to get Absolutely. over for Colin Kaepernick to come back. I don't know. I still look at – I still think there might be an owner – that would take a chance. And I look at the Carolina Panthers, who with Cam Newton, if he was gone for the season, I do think David, David Tepper is a hedge fund guy, is a little bit more forward thinking. Maybe he takes that opportunity and says, I don't care what anybody else says. I'll give him that shot. But if you're Colin Kaepernick, I think it becomes, what's the value? Cause he's making a lot of money from Nike. Right. He's made a lot of money from his settlement, which he did get from the NFL because they did just want it to go away. So they paid him a large amount of money. I heard a rumor because the, 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 a lot of it is rumors, which is going around. That's no, about the settlement that they're, they're, that, and it's all speculation. I don't know. Well, I would ask you what you think about it. It, in the language of that, he had to agree, like, or there was some kind of language. You wouldn't play again. You wouldn't play again. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he has not spoken on it. Right, no. Uh, he's I, taken some criticism from some of the – there's there's different factions in the NFL of the movement of you know players trying to promote social justice. Um, there are some players that are reportedly mad at him that he wouldn't reveal his settlement. That Because right. I think there's some players that would criticize him for being a sellout, for taking – not really you know taking it to the ninth – I have no problem with him. Hey, you get yours while you can get it. Yeah. But there are – there's some even some infighting with the players that are trying to get things achieved – that sometimes you can't bend. You cannot. You have to take the hardcore stance and take take on the NFL. You give, you give up your end. livelihood to do it then. Well, exactly. And that's what I would say anybody yeah. would criticize him with. Right. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a settlement in there. That's interesting. Uh, I, I, again, I'm on record. I, I am a Colin Kaepernick fan. Like, right. I, 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 but 
I'm also realistic. And, you know, Danny, once you're, once you're two years removed, the first year, let's say you were too hot to touch. Yep. All right. Too hot. Can't have the distraction. Right. All that. Second year comes out and whether it was because you're refusing to take less money or, or it's just like a political thing, they didn't touch you. The third year removed, I'm like, mm, yeah, it's not going to happen. Now I'm like, no, it's just not happening. And right. it's, it's just the way it's going to be. Well, then if it's not happening, let's stop talking about it. Because the only, the only thing it does really is create more dissension, which our country sure. does not need right now. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, which, but I would love to see him get that shot. Because I think in today's NFL, like the way they're utilizing Lamar Jackson, the way they're utilizing some of these players sure. with a little bit of creative to create creative mind as an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. I think it could be fun. Yep. You know, like I would love to see him get that opportunity. I would, if I was a betting man, I would say he doesn't play again. Uh, I would maybe take a long shot. If you gave me like 501 odds, I might take a shot at it because I do think with injuries, we have seen attrition at the position. Yeah. Maybe a team gets desperate enough. They'll say, hey, who knows? We'll do it. All right. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So in that update right there that Raja just heard, uh, uh, read, and if you're listening to the podcast, you might not have gotten it. You were saying that the Jets have signed David Fails. David Fails. Okay. He's out of San Jose State. I'm getting you up to date on him. There he we was go. with the Miami Dolphins. I believe he's an undrafted free agent. But my point being, so they have Luke Falk <laughs> is starting for them, right? David Fails is his backup. No, it is, Sorry, it is laughable. Sorry. Here's what I, I can't wait to read. The New York Post and the Daily News, they're going to have a field day with the name Falk. Yeah. I mean, you just figure it out yourself. <laughs> like, what the Falk? Uh, that'll be like the easiest. What? That's at the minimum. That'll be the easiest the Falk throwaway. Going on. Exactly. And then if he gets hurt and they go to fails, like, I mean, you could, they're going to have a field day with these names. They have a field day with any names, but these guys, they're just salivating over the potential headlines they could put on the plastered all over the back page. What Kaepernick should do. What? <laughs> you should call like press conference workout in like the what are they playing the Meadowlands? Yes. Like do it in the parking lot. Yes, exactly. Have all the on cameras Sunday there, at like, one o'clock yeah, during the, the game. They, they they could clear out some space for them. <laughs> but I'm telling you, those writers at the back page will have a field day with that one. All right, college football. Um, I have been pounding the table for the last two years. Yeah, you have making the case for UCF. It's not even so much the case for UCF as it is for a group of five team, Mm -hmm. right? Clearly the power five has an advantage. They're going to get in the playoff, the conference champions, and you don't even have to be a conference champion as the cases with Ohio state and Alabama have done, not even winning their division in some uh, circumstances, they still get into the playoff. UCF ran this table back to back regular seasons. The first year they run the table completely, get it done with a bowl win against Auburn last year. Lost Mackenzie Milton, their quarterback, come up short against LSU. Still put up a pretty good fight yeah. in that game. Uh, this year, they're off to another incredible start. And the, the previous two seasons, they have had two opportunities, and it's kind of crazy the way it's unfolded, to play against Power 5 teams, and they got canceled because of hurricane issues. They were right. supposed to play Georgia Tech one year and North Carolina last year, and those got canceled. So they didn't have that uh, opportunity to really impress. This past weekend... They had an opportunity against Stanford. Pretty good team, pretty good program for the last decade of the Pac-12. Now, I get it. Stanford's down this year. They can't control that, though. No, they can't control that. And not only do they beat Stanford, they handled Stanford. Yeah. They absolutely dominated the game from start to finish. It was probably a little bit misleading when you look at the total, uh, the ending score. But they've got a true freshman playing in Dylan Gabriel, who looks – he's also from Hawaii. Does he start now over Wimbush? Uh, he better be because I mean, yeah, he's tearing I, it up. Yeah. But he was a true freshman. I think that was the one thing. they just like, who the heck is this kid? We don't know he's what tough. he's going to do under the bright lights. 
He absolutely was phenomenal. He can spin it lefty. Again, another quarterback from Hawaii. All of a sudden, Hawaii. I'm moving to Hawaii. You might with your boys. Hawaii, bring them man. out there. If they, I need a quarterback or something in the water, maybe. be Hawaii. Exactly. There's something in the water uh, out there. But he has been absolutely phenomenal. I think if he continues to play this well, now at uh, nine passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, his numbers are comp- comparable to Tua, to Jalen Hurts, the man. quarterbacks who are getting most of the love. I think he can play his way into that conversation if they keep going. They have another opportunity on the road this time against Pitt from the ACC. Pitt, no, see, here's what they need to do. Here's what UCF needs to do. Pitt just played Penn State, you know, who's in the playoff discussion sure. and lost by seven points. UCF needs to go into Pitt at home. 28 them. Exactly. They have to. And this is where style points matter. Yeah. They have to do it. But here's where I think this year could be a little bit unique for UCF in a good way for them. The ACC is off to a disastrous start, mm-hmm. really rough start. You had Georgia Tech lost to Citadel. You had um, Boston College lost to Kansas Friday night, right. one of the worst programs in all of Power 5 football. So the ACC has been battered down. It's awful. If you look at the American and the Mountain West, where I think you can make a case for Boise State in this situation mm-hmm. or whoever's going to win from the Mountain West, if you look at their strength of schedule each week, I think you could make a case that UCF's strength of schedule is stronger than Clemson's. And why doesn't that hurt Clemson? And I get it. Clemson has the five stars, and I'm not making the case against Clemson. Right. But I'm making the case that we should start really considering these teams. And they get discounted every year because you're like, well, they don't play the the grind. They don't play the gauntlet that you see these other Power 5 conferences play. Right. This year is different. Look, they're – you can speak to that way better than I could. Like That's what you do. You do your homework on that. What I I know is – if this team goes undefeated again, for the third, third year in a row, and they do not get an opportunity, you will look back on this in a few decades, right? And you will be saying this was one of the biggest misses of college football history. It just will be like you—you you cannot continue like not in today's. Just think about our society, dude, where it's all inclusive. You know, you're talking about equal opportunity for everyone, fair pay, and all of that, and it's all you know. And I, and I support it all. Like, why wouldn't you take the same approach, you know, to some degree in college football for a team that's been undefeated for two years in a row? So, again, if they miss this year and they're undefeated and they run the table and they can't get an invite for some reason or another, this will go down as a black eye for for college football or NCAA, whatever you want to call it. It absolutely will. And speaking to the gauntlet itself, um, and this is not a case against Clemson because I think Clemson is the eventual national champion. Mm-hmm. I think they're that good. But if you compare Clemson's schedule to UCF's, UCF has a tougher gauntlet. And just for example, Stanford already is probably tougher than most ACC opponents that Clemson's going to face. Pitt w- plays in the ACC, so it's kind of a similar comp right. there. But Cincinnati on the road, Cincinnati's just as good as Boston College or a North Carolina this season. Um, Temple, Temple just knocked off Maryland from the Big Ten. Like you pull it up and you start looking week by week, it's a really tough, challenging schedule, which they've already been they've already been kind of looked down upon saying, well, they're not there, they're not that good. Derek King and Houston's one of the best quarterbacks. Houston's a little bit down this year, but still, he's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the country. South Florida, South Florida's a little bit down too. They got housed by Wisconsin. But again, the ACC has been getting worked over too. So I think it's an Are interesting they- conversation where UCF might have their best case yet if they handle their business impressively against Pitt this weekend. Now, obviously, in a perfect world, they would have need Stanford to win the Pac-12. That's not going to happen this year. Or they would need Pitt to win the Coastal and play in the ACC championship game. That's probably not going to happen this year. But I think this might be the strongest case UCF has to make to date. Quick, Quickly, um, 
I want to take it out of the national and make it more regional. Are they the best team in Florida? And I don't mean oh, I don't got to take shots. No, no. I mean I'm, um, I'm including Miami in that. And I don't yeah. mean I mean I know that the Gators are still. But at what point does they that were level last of success year. start start becoming the desired destination for our five stars, or is that an impossible thing for for Central Florida? Until, All jokes aside, until a Group of Five program gets the money TV wise right. that a Power Five program gets, there it's just tough because you know. Kids' mindsets now. I think you check a lot of boxes, though. Kids want to compete for national championships. That one's a tough one to check at this point. Right. But they want to play on national television. They get that. Um, stadium is they want, rocking. That stadium's rock. They want a chance at the NFL. Check that box. They've got quarterbacks in the NFL, players in the NFL across yep. the board. Gear. Gear, yes, but facilities. facilities. And that's where if you go to Florida, you go to Florida State, they're going to blow you out of the water. Like, I, I don't know that they blow Miami out of the water. Miami's come a long way. Miami store like ten years ago. Miami kind of took pride in the fact of we're was. we're old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, we just okay. we just work. We just do work. We don't care what it looks like. They've they've put some more money in the okay. facilities where they're up to speed. But UCF, it's not like they're garbage. Uh, but they're not getting they're, that type of not not quite not quite yet. Um, did you see the celebrity sighting at the UCF game? I did see one Eldridge. Yes, Eldrick Tiger Woods was at the game with his uh, significant other there, who also his girl was wearing the UCF night shirt. That's interesting. Yeah, so their little uh, rivalry there within the family, and she's probably talking some trash right there, saying, "Hey, what happened there?" That boy do don't get, look happy. <laughs> no, I know they did get embarrassed. <laughs> Does not look. What's going on with the lid there? Uh, I was out? trying to figure out if that was a a that must Pfizer. Be- or I think it's, it's one just of those... one of those dad hat, maybe workout hats, like the Nike dry fit workout hats that are kind of like bikers. Like <laughs> He's got such a conflicting look there. Like there's so much going on. It looks like he's wearing golf pants, Which right? Might, yeah. And he's got the like almost like tight tee, but a little, and then the fanny pack over the shoulder, glasses with the hat. Like it's just not a really fluid, like no. well you, put together outfit. Just because you possibly could be the greatest of all time does not mean you have any sense of style right we've had this discussion yes well michael jordan well, michael jordan yes correct. is the goat and i yeah. would you look at some of the looks historically or currently yeah uh, i don't know like they're just not <laughs> quite there and i get it like hey you are you're probably not worried about it because yeah. you're the greatest you don't have to impress anybody like I, when i go out i want people to say oh maybe that guy's better than we think he is because the way he looks <laughs> he looks sharp those guys they don't care because right. they are the greatest <laughs> they let their resume speak from themselves they don't need uh, something as shallow as their looks like I do. Um, all right, my top eight, which I put out every mm-hmm. Sunday on Twitter. I'll look at these for you. And I really think that you can separate three tiers within this top eight. I think Clemson, Bama, separate them. Mm. They are significantly ahead mm. the next four teams. Okay. All right, so I think it's Clemson, Bama all by themselves. Then I think LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Georgia are in a class by themselves, too. And then I think there's another kind of separation between Wisconsin and Texas, my last two teams in the top eight. I'd give you that. Um, I, I would. Where were you going? Uh-uh. LSU. What's your problem? Because I've said on there. You think there, they're too I, high? No, 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 no. I think that Bama and Clemson have too many big, strong, thoroughbred type of athletes, um, ultimately for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got to hit on all cylinders. It's got to be a really clean game. they got to look great. They're not going to, like, just out-bully you for, for, for a win if that makes any sense. Right. Um, I think LSU could. So I think LSU has the type of toe-to-toe athletes um, that could look a Clemson or a Batman in the eye and be like, look, I'm not, I I am you. Right. So what's up? And with the new offense, and I know we got to bear it, it's got to bear itself out, it's got to play itself out before you really put stock in them. But I would make the argument that LSU could be um, in that tier with, with Clemson and Bama. 
Absolutely could be. No, it could be, but they got to prove it to me before I would leap them in there. I still think there's a gap. I still think the final test that LSU, they did it the first time. They showcased the new offense, and it was against no-name competition. Then they did it on the road against Texas. It was like, okay, this thing is for real. Now, for them, their biggest hurdle has been their nemesis. You got to do it against Bama. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that's for me will be the final test. And then all of a sudden, if they do that, then they're in a player, and they probably go on and actually do get a chance at the playoff. But until that happens, I'll keep them below them. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell on this Wednesday as we dive into the NBA. Reminder, it is one month away from the NBA season. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all our listeners. Really appreciate the support that we get. Uh, the podcast is growing steadily, uh, and surely, but we do need your favor. We want you to go there, review us, because that's what matters. Our bosses, they want to see results. They want to see reviews. They want to see ratings. Even if you subscribe already, you can unsubscribe and subscribe again, and it helps. Like It's a, it's a trick out there. I'll that do that later. Use. Exactly. Do later. No, do it every day. Like It actually helps. Other podcasts have used it, and it has vaulted them up the charts. You put us up the charts, we'll take care of you. But when you go on there, leave a review and ask a question about the NBA upcoming season, and we'll get to you uh, get those answers to you in the show. Raja and I will answer those those Raja specifically will give you all those answers so do us a favor go show us some love on uh, Apple iTunes Apple podcast wherever you find your podcast leave us a good review if you like us if not then don't do anything <laughs> don't go trash us on there don't do that <laughs> all right uh, we just said before the break uh, Steph Curry is planning on now going to the 2020 Olympics sure. is this a direct result of what happened the FIBA World Cup or is this Steph Curry hey been a dream of mine I want to play in the Olympics I want to support Team USA both it is. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm sure he's dreamed of playing in the Olympics and winning a gold. He's not. He's not won a gold before in the Olympics. He hasn't. I don't think so. so. Yeah, I'm sure he wants to check that box as a as a uh, you know as one of the world's best players. Uh, but I, you know, I, I do think partly it's because of what happened at FIBA. And if it's if not with him, it will be with a lot of other guys. Like they'll sit back and look, and even if they have a gold already, they'll feel a responsibility to some degree to go out there and represent the U.S. on the biggest. Um, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, international stage, which is the Olympics. There, there will be some sort of knee-jerk reaction from NBA players. They will come out uh, and play to let the world know that we are the best uh, basketball players on the planet. All right, so he has won a pair of world titles with the Americans and was a starter when they won the 2014 Basketball World Cup. No, no, no. We're talking Olympic right. gold medal. Right. Different which, category. Right, which is what – that's that's a different one. Legacy, I don't – but I don't even know if it really matters. Oh, it doesn't I think matter. It's cool. It doesn't matter. It's cool to add that. That's a bucket list thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yep. somebody said to you, hey, man, you win the World Cup, you'd be like, dope. Somebody said, hey, man, you could win an Olympic gold, you'd be like, super dope. Right, right, Do exactly. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, James Harden has been a player in the NBA. He's been pretty polarizing. I will say this. I had a perception of James Harden where I didn't love him as a player. I thought, like, hey, he's one-dimensional. I thought he was a little bit selfish. I didn't love his personality. I thought it was hurt. I I just wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. And then I met him. Yeah. Spent like and only interviewed him for about fifteen minutes, but like was totally blown away by a personality that he showed, which I don't think he shows a lot. But he did a uh, sit down with a ble- uh, Bleacher Report, and he talked with them. And like from that moment when I met him, was totally a fan of his. Sure. Love the way he plays the game, and I do think he's evolved his game to a spot. Yeah, defensively he could do a little bit more. Yeah, he could learn how to pass the ball a little bit better. But he's still an incredible player. Yeah. Um. I also love his mindset, which I, I'm, I'm pumped for him that he shared some of these thoughts because I think it's against the perception of him. You know, like I think he's, the, the reality is much different than what people think sure. of him, much like I was. Um, 
So he talked a lot about him and Russell Westbrook, obviously going to be playing against each other now. And he said somebody together, uh, but in practice, somebody that's a killer for real talking about Russ isn't like one of my old teammates. When I was in Oklahoma city, Russ has been my brother since I was 10. Our communication is different. The way we talk to each other is different. Um, as they're out there. What? Wait, he said he, he, what he's wait, somebody that's like a dog, somebody that's a killer for real. Russ isn't just like one of my old teammates. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, all right. He's saying not, I thought there was a shot, but it went, no, it no. And it wasn't really a shot at anybody. No, no. He was, I think he was lifting him up. I think no, not a shot at Russ. I'm saying I thought he was oh. to him as having a little bit more dog in him than some of his former teammates. But when I read it again, it didn't read like that. So that's my fault. All right. Well, if you don't think that was a shot, I would say that there was a shot at one Kevin Durant because he did also talk about, staying in Houston, having no desire to go anywhere else because he doesn't want to be one of those types of guys. He just wants to figure it out where he is, which I do think is a shot at KD. Um, Whether he meant to or not. And actually, this is one of the things I like about him. Hey, fight through it. Yes. Figure out a way to win. Um, I don't know that he intentionally took a shot at KD. I, I think they're probably okay, although I have no knowledge of their relationship, so I don't really know. I, I, I am a James. I like James Harden. The only problem I've ever had – you know, as it pertained to James Harden's style of play, is when kids try to copy it and play like that. And it the the kids game and the youth game isn't really supportive of the James Harden type of ISO game. But it is it's a remarkable thing to watch. It's an incredible ability he has year after year to come back with a new um toy, so to speak, in a move or or something that catches officials in a weird space where they don't know how to call it, and he gets the benefit of that. I mean, it's pretty uncanny. I don't, I don't remember a player that's been able to kind of reinvent and keep referees challenged every year as to whether or not they give you that foul. Oh, my God, we got to give him that foul because by the letter of the law, it's a foul. You know, it's weird. Yeah. So he's got this remarkable ability to do that. And I, I do think that I've said from the beginning, I think that him and Russell Westbrook are going to be good together. Now, do they have things to figure out? Um, yes. Do there have to be some clear lines drawn in terms of whose ball is going to be down the stretch? Uh, yes. Is Mike D'Antoni going to be challenged as, as much as he may have ever been as an offensive like genius? Yes. But I think that both of those guys have a relationship that that goes way beyond. And he speaks about this in the interview. Tender back when they were 10. Way beyond that. They will figure that out. And they're two really good basketball, really good any kind of players. That You put them with another guy who's really, really good, they figure it out. Now, it might not always translate into championships. Um and there may be some personal issues that wind up getting in the way. These guys don't seem to have that. They'll figure it out. All right, so there was a time this past NBA season when uh, James Harden had this incredible streak of 30-plus games, right? We talked about some of those games, and we're like, what do you do with those other four guys? Because they weren't even hardly touching the ball. Yes. That clearly is not going to happen with Russell Westbrook. No. Who, who is the ball-dominant guy? Is this, Russ, is this Russ's and then James Harden's going to be off the ball? What does it look like, do you think? It, well, I think it has to be James Harden's ball. It, it, he's been there. It's his team. Like you're coming. So then in where does Russell that leave Russ? Well, I think what you wind up doing is is you you concede a little bit if you're James Harden, right? And and allow Russ to have the ball. And then it's a fluid thing. It's game by game. It's quarter by quarter. So if I'm cooking, you know, if they're cool enough with each other and they're not threatened by the other one, both of them are at a point in their career where winning seems to be the priority. Let me get out of your way. Let me support you in this secondary role. I'll spot shoot. You know. And then if if the flip. You know, the script flips and, 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 you know, James Harden's cooking a little bit. Then Russ, and he said he wants, he was going to get in the gym and become a better shooter. Then he's got to be a complimentary piece. And it might not just be spot shooting because Russ, that's not his game. You know, it might be going in there offensive rebounding and, and getting, you know, extra points. It could be in any other capacity. Um, cause Russ plays the game in a very well rounded way, but he's got to support. And so I think the ball, if you had to put a percentage on it, 
55-45, somewhere in that. But you'd have to defer to James because he's the guy. He's the guy. It's in there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, crap. We can't hear Joe. Joe, we can't hear you, baby. I, there we go. We saw it last year or the last few years with CP3, right? Like he was a ball-dominant guy. He had to learn how to play off the ball. But also, Russell get his his chances when Harden's off the floor. And look, when Harden – when the Rockets – uh, hired Mike D'Antoni, I was pumped for Harden because I was like, this guy is just going to become an MVP candidate. So my question, Raj, I actually am wondering like, Russ has averaged a triple-double three straight years. What can he do in a D'Antoni offense? Even as the second guy. I mean, can his stats get better? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, You know, my initial gut would be to say that he couldn't continue that, except he played with Paul George. And Paul George was having an MVP season, and Russ was still averaging a triple-double. Um, James Harden probably got a higher usage rate than Paul George. But what Mike will do, and I imagine, if I'm just thinking about the way this works, is, and it probably cures some of of the, the initial question that you had for me about whose ball it'll be, let's just go faster. Let's go. Right. right? If we can get out in transition, if we can be a stable defensive team, if we can get deflections and turn people over and get out in transition – then everyone will naturally get more numbers because we'll be scoring more, and we won't have to really get bogged down in a half-court set and designate who's going to initiate offense because we'll all get it in the flow. And so I imagine Mike will put a precedent on that initially. Uh, I don't have the answer to what he'll do, but Joey, I think he'll be right around the same type of numbers that he's always had, like maybe fractionally less in the points department and the assist department, but still um, threatening triple doubles on a nightly basis, just the way he plays a game. Were you a big Seinfeld fan? If you watched a lot yeah, of Seinfeld, yeah. do you remember the episode with Bizarro, Jerry? Where, like it was a complete opposite. Like they had all the characters sure. and they had like, it was funny. It was hilarious. Well, obviously Seinfeld, Bizarro. So the exact opposite. James Harden seems like the Bizarro Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, like he really does. Like he's securing himself. He wants to stay and win championships. Doesn't want to go chase them. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about his teammates like they're a brotherhood. Like they are a family with him and Russ. Like everything is exactly the opposite of what Kevin Durant has said. Funny. I think he's the bizarro Kevin Durant. That's I think that's funny. what he is. Uh, we'll have to see if it bears out. We'll have to see how this team does. Boom.